Hey church, welcome back. Let's get right into the word today. You know, uh, we're on a series called Kingdom Dynamics and oh my goodness, it is been a phenomenal series for us as a church. Uh, the season has been a heart revealer uh, and, and the Word of God, this series has been a revealer of God's heart. And I, and I love how in a season where our hearts are exposed, our hearts are open, our hearts are revealed to us, God reveals His Word. What is on His heart? What is His priority for us as a church, for us for me as an individual, for you as an individual in this season, what is the most important thing in this season? And I truly believe that God is revealing to us His kingdom. He's revealing to us what are His priorities for our life, what are His values for our lives, what is His will for our lives. And I truly believe that this season, this series, God has been setting us up for these two messages, the last week's message and this message. And I, I, really, I really believe that you are blessed by the word. I really believe that God is doing something awesome uh, in our church. Uh, you know, so lifers, let's assemble. Uh, we're about to, just like, we're just, just like Peter, we're about to receive the word of God. So prepare your hearts. And, and get ready to confess God's word today because I'm telling you, it is going to be awesome. Right. So we all know that according to um, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, <coughs> the, the Bible says that we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. So God the Father has rescued you and I uh, he, out of His mercy, out of His love for us, out of His grace. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the King's dominion, His Son's dominion, the Son whom He loves. So which means the kingdom of uh, the, the, Jesus is the King and He rules and reigns in His kingdom. He has a domain, he has a realm where he has ultimate authority and it's called the kingdom of heaven. So he rescued us, he, he brought us out of darkness, he rescued us out of the domain of darkness and brought us into the domain of the son whom he loves. Now, Jesus in John 10.10 10 says, a thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life in all its abundance. And so we see Jesus drawing a distinction between the domain of darkness and his domain. The dominion of darkness and his dominion. See, both these two kingdoms have the ability to have dominion over you and I. And we have the choice to choose whom we submit to. Now, if, you, if you're submitted to the, to the kingdom, uh, uh, to the dominion of darkness, there are certain effects or fruits or, or certain results that come from being under the domain or the dominion of darkness. Jesus says, a thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. These are just three of some of the many things, many effects that the kingdom of darkness has over people. Uh, if, you look at, if you look at your life today, would you say, hey, uh, uh, is, is, are my finances under the domain of darkness? Or under the dominion of darkness? Is my marriage under the dominion of darkness? Are you constantly in debt? You seem to be paying off your credit cards and then seem to be getting back in it. 
There's a constant desire on the inside of you to have more, have more, have more. Your wants are greater than your needs. And you seem to be using your credit cards, getting loans. You want the next phone. You want the, the next big car that's coming in your life. You can't seem to, to hold on to relationships. You can't, for, for a long time, uh, they, you hang out with certain people. Then we, they get close to you. When you get close to them, uh, you, you get offended, you get hurt, and then you walk away from it. These are all the effects of being under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. But Jesus says, those who are submitted in my kingdom, in his dominion, under his dominion, experience life and life in its abundance. Not only just life, but you experience abundance of life. You know, most of us know when, when, when we ask one another, hey, what is your testimony? Most of us know where we came from. We can describe that realm really well. I was an alcoholic, I was a drug addict, I was a, you know, I had this many issues and I lost my job. We, we know that realm and the effects of that realm really, really well. But we really don't know where we're going. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11 and 12 says this. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. So the, the title of my message today is Reigning with Christ. And today I want to answer the question, how do you and I reign in this life with Christ? See, there's, a, there's something that happens when, when, when that God rescues us from the, the dominion of darkness and being in heaven. Everybody thinks that we will rule and reign when, with Christ when we are in heaven. And, and it is true. You are in Christ seated in heavenly places uh, and you are ruling and reigning with Christ from heaven to the earth. That, that's absolutely true. But you're still on the earth. And in this life that God has given you, He says, I've come to give you life and life in its abundance. So life in its abundance is, is given because you are brought into the kingdom, you're given life, but also life in its abundance is also attached to the purpose that you have in this life. And according to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12, he says, if we endure, what do we endure? If we endure this life, if we endure uh, the dominion of darkness, if we endure the, the renewal of the mind, if we endure coming out of the past in, from our mind uh, and entering into our future in our mind, if we endure that, if we endure persecution, if we endure suffering, if we, if we endure these, this season, this time, he says, we shall also reign with him. But he's not talking about reigning in heaven, but he's talking about reigning here on the earth. You and I, while we're on the earth in this life, have been given an opportunity to reign with Christ, all right? If you and I are going to reign with Christ, then we must understand what Jesus did and what is our responsibility. What Jesus did was he ushered in the kingdom of God. He was the one who brought in the kingdom of God and he established it by living on the earth, all right? 
Then he hands over the keys of the kingdom to the disciples. He hands over the keys of the kingdom to the ecclesia, the assembly of the brethren. He hands over the keys of the kingdom to us. And now he says, I'm going to my father. Now you have the kingdom. In this life, reigning with Christ means we receive the kingdom of God, we receive the keys of the kingdom, and now we increase or extend the boundaries of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. See, our responsibility is to seek the will of God for the earth. If you're in heaven, seeking the will of God for the earth is of no use because you can't, you're not on the earth. But while you and I are alive, while you and I are listening to this, this, this video today, while you and I are going to the office and you have a life, I have a life, we have a life together, while we're alive on the earth, our responsibility is to hear the will of the Father for the earth. Why? Because it is in the will of the Father that the kingdom is revealed. The dominion of the kingdom is revealed. And when you and I receive, when we believe the word, when we receive the word, when we believe it and we apply it in our life, now the kingdom begins to increase. The kingdom begins to manifest. The kingdom begins to spread in this life. See, our responsibility in the kingdom is not to uh, just enjoy the kingdom. Although you can enjoy it. But our responsibility is to continue the work that Jesus started. So if you were to think about your life today uh, and you, you, you're so grateful for what Jesus has done for you, my God, what a, what a phenomenon. It should have been you and me on that cross, but Jesus paid the price for us. And if you believe in Jesus, uh, how can we not carry out his mission? How can we not carry uh, the, the responsibility of his kingdom, establishing his kingdom on the earth? See, the kingdom of God is not a destructive kingdom. The kingdom, the dominion of Jesus is not, is not a, uh, there's no heaviness to it. The kingdom of God is one of joy, of love, of peace. It's, it's full of the Holy Spirit. It's full of, of patience. It's full of perseverance. It's full of understanding. There's so many things about the kingdom of God. Being in the, uh, in the dominion of Christ is more of a blessing to our lives than actually being under the dominion of darkness. But with it comes a responsibility. See, many times Christians want the authority to cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, and do miracle signs and wonders. But they don't understand that with that authority comes a responsibility to extend the boundaries of the kingdom. When we look at Adam uh, in the garden, the man in the garden, his, his, the, the, the word that God gave him, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, not just the garden, the earth. The garden was a work of grace. It was God's work. And man was meant to look at the things in the garden, look at what God had created and multiply it on the earth. He was meant to um, give it life. He was meant to take the garden and extend the boundaries of the garden to, to all of the earth. And in the same way, the second Adam has come and he's established a garden. Not the same garden, a new one. He's established a new wineskin. He's established uh, what, 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 the, what the Bible calls the ecclesia. 
He's established the ecclesia. This ecclesia is the garden. This ecclesia is what we call the church. He, he, this ecclesia is, is a part of the kingdom. He's established his kingdom on earth. And now you and I receive the same uh, instructions that Adam had received, the same instructions that man has received. And he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Go, Jerusalem, Judea, and the rest of the world, Samaria and the rest of the world. Go into all the world. It's not about, we, church has made it all about congregating in a building. Church has become about memberships and holding people back. But if you look at Jesus and his kingdom, it's about coming, bring, rescuing you, bringing you into the kingdom of light, equipping you and sending you out. Sending you into the world. Why? Because there's a, the, the, the mission is to take the kingdom where it has never been before. And so, you know, I would love for us to go uh, uh, to Matthew chapter 16 and we'll read this uh, portion of scripture that we've been on uh, uh, over the last few weeks. Matthew chapter 16 and we'll read from verse 13 to 19. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I the son of man am? And so they said, some say, John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? The question Jesus has for them is, he says, who do, you, who do they say the Son of Man is? The Son of Man is. It's very important that you understand, because that's the question. The question is, who do they say the Son of Man is? See, Jesus called himself the son of man because he was a son of God, but also the son of man. And as long as you look at Jesus as the son of man, as long as you look at your brothers and sisters as sons of men, of sons of men and women, now you will only see them according to people of old who have done mighty works. But when you understand the question, who do, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And when he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. See, and then Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you Simon Bar-Jonah for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Which means to the Jews, the people who, 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 who looked at Jesus as the son of man, Flesh and blood has revealed that to them. And you know this word, Simon Barjona, Simon means a reed. And when Jesus, in the book of Matthew, uh, I think it's 11 or 12, Jesus says, uh, he's talking about John the Baptist uh, to the Pharisees and the scribes, and he says, what have you come to see? Have you come to see a reed that is shaken by the wind? And that's what he's addressing here. He's saying, blessed are you, Simon, read Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Which means when you receive uh, knowledge from flesh and blood, you will be tossed like a reed to and fro. That's what Jesus is trying to reveal to us today. He said, when you receive word, when, when, people, when, when people come to you with the knowledge of good and evil, it will toss you between good and evil. 
It'll keep, you'll be like the wind. You, wherever the wind blows, you'll go. Bad news, you'll go bad news. Good news, you'll go good news. Today, good mood, tomorrow, bad mood. Uh, you fluctuate all the time, but Jesus says, my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. So when truth when you receive revelation from the truth of the word of God, you're not tossed to and fro by any which wind. Because the word of God, the truth of the word of God that reveals Christ to you, positions you on the rock. It positions you, it makes you stable, it makes you strong. You're just not movable. Some people might think you're, you're arrogant. Some people might think you're just, uh, I, can't, I can't argue with him, I can't, I can't talk to him. Yeah, you can't talk to him because you are founded on the rock. Your foundations is the rock and his name is Jesus. And so here he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this. And I also say to you that you are Peter. He changes his name when Peter receives a revelation. Come on now. God is awesome. Jesus is absolutely awesome. He, he, he says, he calls him, blessed are you. He gives him a blessing, saying, Simon Barjona, he says, you are blessed because you have heard the word of God. You have received revelation, but you are Peter. Come on now. He changes his identity. He changes his name from being a reed that can be shaken by the wind to being Peter, a, a small rock. See, you must understand, small rocks are a part of bigger rocks. Small rocks are a part, were part of a bigger rock. And many times I've heard people say, you know, I am the church. I, I can do whatever I want. No, ladies and gentlemen, you, you must understand what he's saying here. You are not the church, but you are a part of the church. You're a small rock that is a part of a bigger rock called Jesus Christ. And here he's saying, hey, Peter, small rock, upon this rock, what is this rock? Upon the rock of revelation, you've received revelation from the Father and you've allowed your mind to be renewed about who this man is, who this son of man is. Before Jesus changed Peter's name, Jesus recognized, Peter recognized who Jesus really was. When he recognized who Jesus really was, Jesus revealed to him who Peter really was. I hope you understand. I know it's, it sounds like I'm, I'm messing with your mind a little bit, but actually I am. But I'm just trying to get a revelation out for you. See, we think that we'll just, we'll just come and we'll listen to the word and we just go home. But Jesus is looking for people who will respond to the word. People who receive, who receive revelation and communicate that revelation. People who receive revelation allow their mind to be renewed Right, And then from that place, communicate or reveal that revelation. That's when they are transformed into the very revelation that they receive. I want you to, to hear me with the right heart, okay? Don't hear me with a question mark in your mind. Hear me with the right heart. Jesus did not come to start a religion called Christianity. Neither did Jesus 
come to start a church. <laughs> Jesus did not come to build a tabernacle. Jesus did not come to build a temple. Jesus came to establish his kingdom. If we can only step into this revelation, if we can only step in now, if we, and right now by faith, I want you to just step into it. Don't question it, just step into it. Because a lot of us have made it about church, about religion, uh, about, you know, about our value system, all of us, we've made it about that and we've not made it about the kingdom. We must understand, this is a very, very crucial revelation. Jesus did not come to start a church. That's why in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, they did not go into church planting. They did not go into church building. They did not go into doing missions trips. I hope you understand what I'm saying. See, the, the church of Jesus Christ today has made it about all these things, that this is what the kingdom is about. But actually, the kingdom of God, when Jesus came to establish a kingdom and establish governance. And the ecclesia is not about church building, but it is about governance over the city, over your family, governance over your finances, governance, kingdom, spiritual governance over the nations of the earth. And if you can only step into this revelation, I'm telling you, you will step into experiencing authority like you've never experienced before. Uh, far too long we have made it about church it's about let's go to church let's sing songs let's dress well let's take uh, you know let's do this let's do that let's let's give into let's give to the church let's give let's let's uh, uh, let's worship uh, together we we do all these things together we do mission trips together all these things are good they're necessary they're, they're expressions of the kingdom but it is not what jesus established what jesus established is governance and if you can only embrace that revelation that you, God has placed you as a governor over your family. God has placed you as a governor over your children. God has placed you as a governor in your workplace, over your business. God has placed you as a spiritual, not, not, not government like what we're talking about today, not, not a secular government. We're talking about a spiritual governance. Why? Because the kingdom of God is spirit. It is a spiritual kingdom. And so primarily, we receive the kingdom of God in spirit. But our responsibility is to exercise a spiritual governance on the earth. Why? And how we do that is by receiving God's will. You know, Jesus says, Father, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's the will of God in heaven that God has a desire for earth to be exactly like. And so when we embrace that will for, for our, our marriage, for our kids, for our family, for our finances, for uh, how we treat our dogs and our cats, and how we, uh, go, go, how we treat our workmates, how we treat our, our university uh, peers, how we treat the, the kids in the school, how, how, how we treat everybody, the, the, the attendant at the petrol station, how we treat them is determined by how much you are submitted 
to the perfect will of God for your city and your family and for people around you. When you understand God has a will for uh, the, the attendant at the petrol station, when you understand his will for that person, how you, how you govern that situation, your interaction with that person determines whether the kingdom will manifest or not. Come on, man, this is powerful. See, we've, we've made the kingdom of God only about church. That once a week or twice a week attendance. But the rest of the week, we, we don't know anything about the kingdom. We don't know, we don't apply the will of God every day. But see, the kingdom of God is every day, ladies and gentlemen. Church attendance and worship to God, right? Worship to God. Uh, uh, we, we go to church together. You know, the, the, the gathering of the, the believers, that we go together, we worship God. We give to God. We give our attention to God. We give our gifts and talents and, and, and our time to God. But there's also another type of worship that God is actually looking for. The ones who worship in spirit. Ah, come on now. The ones who worship in spirit and in truth. These are the ones who understand that I have a role to play in the kingdom of God. I'm not just an, uh, uh, another person. God has chosen me to be a part of the ecclesia. The ecclesia, one of the meanings of ecclesia is that the ecclesia is a council. Like you would have a city council. A city council has governors over different aspects of the city. And so these governors would have uh, authority to exercise the law in that city. And so you and I now are spiritual governors. We have a, 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 we're called into an ecclesia called, it's a city council. And God, and God tells the disciples, hey, before you go into all the world, first go to Jerusalem. That's your city. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the rest of the world. Why? He, he's saying, listen, it first starts, governance first starts with your family. It starts with yourself. Can you govern yourself according to the spiritual, the will, the truth of the word of God personally? If you can steward that right, then God gives you authority and dominion over your family. Come on now. And when you do that really, really well, and you do it consistently, now he begins to trust you with a group of people called a life group. And then after that, with that graph group, now he begins to call you into greater groups. And he calls you into, into having an influence in the church, having influence in the assembly, having an influence from there. He gives you influence in the city. Could be in your neighborhood. Could be in the restaurants that you frequent so often. Could be in the coffee shops that you go to and meet these people so often. Could be at your workplace. But it all starts with Jerusalem. It starts with you. You are the Jerusalem. And it starts with you governing yourself according to the kingdom, the, according to the king's will in your life. You know, most of us have our own will for our life. But God has a perfect will for your life. And, and when you position yourself every day before God, and you say, God, I submit my, my life this day to you. I belong to you. How can I serve you? 
How can I serve your kingdom today? How can I add value to your kingdom? How can I extend the boundaries of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? Show me what heaven looks like for my family. Show me what heaven looks like for, for the business. Show me what heaven looks like for my workplace. Show me what heaven looks, looks like for my university. Show me what heaven looks like for a person in a wheelchair or crutches. Show me what heaven looks like. What does this person look like in heaven? How, how, does this, how do you see this, the petrol attendant or the, or the people when you go in shops who, who serve you or the waiters at a restaurant? How, how does Jesus treat these people? How does the kingdom have an influence on these people? What is God's will for these people? See, the, the, the truth of the word of God, the revelation is, is a spiritual dynamic. But unless you and I apply that spiritual dynamic in a physical realm, the kingdom does not get manifested. That's why Jesus had to leave his glory in heaven. He had to, he, he, he left his, his everything in heaven. He left his authority, his dominion, his glory. He left it in heaven and he came and became like you and me. When he became like you and me, now something spiritual became physical. The struggle for humanity is not spiritual. The struggle for humanity is physical. And it takes a supernatural kingdom to superimpose itself upon something that is under the domain or dominion of another kingdom so that it can bring transformation to that. And I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Ladies and gentlemen, the gates of Hades was, was, was a cave at, in Caesarea Philippi uh, where there were other temples also there. This cave had a huge mouth and people believed that the dead right would go into that once people died their souls would go into the through the gates of Hades uh, into Hades and Jesus is saying this I am here to build my church when when I build my ecclesia upon the rock the gates of Hades will not prevail against it what does that mean it means that you and I have a commission a co-mission. We are on a co-mission with Christ that when we receive the will of God for anyone who is under the dominion of darkness. Wow, this is powerful. When we receive the will of God for anyone that is under the dominion of darkness, the gates that are holding those people, come on now, the gates that are holding these people back will swing wide open and allow you and I to take the kingdom of God forward and give life Give life to every single person that has been held back by the kingdom of darkness. See, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against you, which means it is destined for you and I. Oh my God, I feel the power of the Holy Spirit right now. It is destined that in the kingdom, you are destined to prevail. Come on. You are destined to prevail. You are destined for success. Every time you, you apply the, the perfect will of God for your life, you apply this spiritual dynamic in this physical, nothing will oppose you. It has been destined for the destroyer not to destroy you. 
I love this. It has been destined in the kingdom of God. When you're under the dominion of Christ, no one can snatch you from the hands of God. No one can snatch your family members from the hand of God. You now can begin to take the kingdom of God forward. Now when Jesus, I want you now to go to Isaiah chapter 9. This is a beautiful verse. This, this verse is usually used during Christmas time. <clears throat> but I want to I bring something out for us today from it. Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 6 and 7. It says this, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And here we go. And the government will be upon his shoulder. We are ruling and reigning with Christ, not without Christ, okay? So the government is upon his shoulder, okay? Have you heard of the, the, this parable when Jesus talks about the sheep, the lost sheep? You know, the, the, he goes and puts the sheep upon his shoulder and he brings, right? So that government, that sheep, that ecclesia rests on the shoulder of the shepherd, okay? Rests on the shoulder of the sheep, of, the, of Jesus, right? And then he says, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, right? Verse seven, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Very powerful, which means it's been destined for you and I, for the gates to prevail against the gates of Hades, okay? It's destined, but it's also destined when you are in the ecclesia to be a part of a government that increases. It increases, it, of the increase of the government, of his government and peace, there will be no end, which means the kingdom that Jesus came to establish will never end. It's the only spiritual kingdom that has been established for over, that has lasted for over 2,000 years. Wow, come on now. It has lasted, uh, you know, it has outlasted uh, different regimes. It has outlasted different generations. It has outlasted so many uh, traumatic experiences that humanity has gone through. But one thing remains constant. It's the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has been increasing. It is an ever-increasing kingdom. Which means, so, so, so of the increase of his government and, or, and peace, there will be no end. So we, we must understand that the government of heaven does not oppose, the spiritual government does not oppose the governments of the earth, the physical, secular governments because God has put them in place, okay? And we must understand that this spiritual government of heaven, the kingdom of God, has come to add value to what already exists. So Jesus would not, did not use heavenly terms on the earth. He would, he would uh, when he would talk about, when he would, communicate, he wanted to teach something about the kingdom, he would say the kingdom of God is like a, like a rich man who had a, a vineyard, or the kingdom of God is like a treasure in a field, like the kingdom of God, and he begins to communicate or reveal the kingdom of God like birds of the air, like hair upon your head. I mean, simple earthly things. He would use earthly things to reveal heavenly things. He would use 
parables to reveal his heart. He would, he would use parables to reveal uh, the spiritual dynamics. In the same way, when Jesus is talking to Peter, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell, Hades, will not prevail against it. He, he's communicating to us and he's saying this, that when I establish my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, the kingdom increases and grows. This kingdom will not come to an end. So if your life is hidden in Christ, then you must understand that, it is, that you have been destined. It's God's desire for your life not to come to an end. Why? It's because God needs you on the earth. God, God will use you to, to extend the boundaries of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. He's using terms, earthly terms, to define a spiritual dynamic. See, in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come and dwell upon a person. He would do mighty things and then the Spirit would lift off. But in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, we see the Spirit coming and dwelling in a group of people and then individually the Holy Spirit would lead. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant how God, only God can do something like that. He would come upon a group of people Right, And then individually, he would begin to lead them and take them into different places, do awesome things. And as they would go about, they would do, they would extend the kingdom of God wherever they go. It's very powerful. And Jesus is saying, when even a single person who is a part of an ecclesia is, is doing the work of the kingdom, nothing will stand in his way. Nothing will stand in your way when you and I understand that I'm hearing God's voice and I'm on a mission to extend the kingdom of God wherever I am. See, a lot of times we think that church is only, that, that, that the will of God is only for church. But the will of God is for every aspect of your life. The will of God, the kingdom of God influences every other kingdoms there is. Every other, uh, uh, whether it's government, whether it is religion, whether it is family, whatever areas or mountains of influence there exist, the kingdom of God is above it all. And Jesus was using secular terms to really define spiritual things. And he says, when I, I will build my church, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, we must understand that the terms that Jesus used wasn't new for the disciples. The terms that Jesus used wasn't uh, uh, new for the people who were listening to him. Because he was in Caesarea Philippi. It wasn't the, the center of religion or, or Jewish, uh, 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 Jewish religion. It was in a secular state. And he's pointing out to, to those things and he's saying, listen, the kingdom of God is like this. The Bible says in the fullness of time, Jesus came into the world. What is the fullness of time? The fullness of time was when, when Rome began to invade, Greece had invaded the world. Now Rome, the, the Roman Empire began to invade the world and they started colonizing, <laughs> they started colonizing the world according to Rome. Okay, it started actually with Alexander the Great. 
Alexander the Great was a Greek was a Greek emperor, and this man was a was so phenomenal. He he God used gave him wisdom how to uh, colonize the world, which is why we have the the Greek language today, and we're so grateful that we can interpret the Greek language because it is literal. When, when you go back to the original text that is in Greek, you can't, it's not like Hebrew that, 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 that reveals a movement. Greek is very literal, black or white, and, and I appreciate it. But what this man did is when he would invade a new, and he would occupy a new territory, right? He would send a, he would, what, 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 what they call, they would plant a colony of Greeks, a colony of people who were in the Greek army, ex-soldiers. They would take them and they would plant them there in this new uh, occupied territory with their families, with their animals, with the dogs, with the sheep, with the cattle, all of it. They would literally send an entire city to go and live in the new occupied land. And when these people would come, what Alexander did was he said, this is now a Greek territory. If it's a Greek territory, everybody needs to speak Greek. So he changed the language of the occupied state. It's absolutely phenomenal. When he changed the language of the occupied state, they were forced to learn Greek and when they were forced to learn Greek, it changed their lifestyle. Come on, somebody. Jesus now comes in and he gives us his word. Oh. He comes and he gives us his word. And when we begin to learn the language of heaven, it completely changes the lifestyle of, of our lifestyle on the earth. We move from, from, from experiencing one type of lifestyle under the dominion because we were speaking that language and then now we come into the kingdom and we begin to speak his language and when we speak his language, it changes the choices that we make. And now, and even Rome, the Roman Empire did exactly the same thing. They would take ex-soldiers and their families and they would take them and plant them in Israel. That's where the church got the term church plant from. They would take people, ex-soldiers who were elderly, and they would plant them in, in key cities. And these people, the responsibility of these people was to do as they did in Rome. Live in this new place in the same way that they lived in Rome. And so when they did that, when they, when they told people that they need to speak only in Latin, now it began to change the mindset of the people. When they were told that they need to speak Greek, Greek mythology started coming in and started mixing with the Jewish beliefs. And so now what happened was there were, there were different sort of religions that started coming out from that. And there were different lifestyles that came out of it. Because the whole purpose was, as it is in Rome, it should also be there. And so now you, you have Jews who were mixed with, with, with Romans and they were partnering together because they were an occupied state. They, the Romans did not come and change the way people dress or the food that they eat, ate or, or the houses that they lived in. The only thing that they did was they changed their language. That's why we have such a high value for the language of heaven.
And so here we see now that when they changed the language, they changed how they spoke, it completely changed the choices that they made because it, their language was based on a value system that Rome had. And Caesar wanted every occupied state to even look like Rome. Oh, come on now. And so now they, what they would do is they would send ships, hundreds and thousands of ships to the new occupied territory with wood, uh, with, with metal, with, with um, everything that existed in Rome, cobblestones, everything that existed in Rome, they would send these materials to the new occupied state. And the one who, who was the head of all of these ships was called an apostle. You must understand, the, the fivefold ministry, Jesus is taking secular terms and he's saying, listen, the kingdom of God is like this. And he said, the kingdom of God functions exactly like this. In fact, the, before these people even had the creative idea of doing it, God had given these people the creative idea to do it. The reason being is because they needed to establish, they needed to make a way for the fullness of time to happen so that Jesus can come. When Jesus came, the Israel was, 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 had a kingdom, had the Roman kingdom, and these people were being colonized according to Rome. The apostle that carried, that brought the ships from, from Rome to Israel, right, was the one who decided what resources we need to send now into Israel to make Israel like Rome. Come on now. So they build Colosseums. They build um, uh, uh, arenas of, for games. They would, uh, they would bring all these things. Uh, they would build roads for them. They would build buildings. They would build it exactly like Rome so that when Caesar would come to visit, he wouldn't get lost. When officials and dignitaries would come to visit the occupied land, they wouldn't get lost. It's amazing. And Jesus is using the same principle. And he's saying, listen, my father has a kingdom in heaven. And heaven looks like this. And when you and I are, who, who, who are in the ecclesia, the governing authority, you and I now have been given, have been commissioned to transform your city and your nation to making it like heaven. This is powerful. And so now, because you have said yes to the kingdom of God, because you have said yes to extending the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, now he begins to give you resources. Oh, come on. He begins to give you resources. You need cash, you need money, he gives you resources. He gives you uh, uh, raw materials. He gives you what, you, what do you need to bring transformation on earth as it is in heaven? God, heaven begins to send it to you. But he sends it to you through your leader. He sends it through the one who is the head of the ecclesia. And in those days, it was called an apostle. But these days, we, we, until the fivefold is, is built in the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, when the fivefold is built, what are they, what, what, what are they groomed for? What are, they, what are they chosen for by God? They're chosen for the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry. What is your ministry? Your ministry is to extend the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Your ministry is not just to heal the sick. Your ministry is not to go to the hospitals. Your ministry 
is not to have, have a mass crusades. Your ministry is to primarily, your ministry is to extend the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. This is your ministry. Over the three years that Jesus spent time with his disciples, he would teach them about his kingdom. He would teach them about how the kingdom functions. What is the father's heart? He would constantly teach his disciples that so that when the time comes, he was going to leave and go away. It's very similar to how an emperor or, or, or would, would come for battle, would come and establish, would occupy a land and then would leave people, would leave people to colonize that place to make it like Greece or Rome. Jesus came and he established the kingdom. When he established the kingdom, he places his disciples now on earth and he says, hey, listen, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. And then he says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. What does that say about us? It says that when your kingdom focus, when your mind is not about, oh, this is, this is my church, this is my kingdom, this is my house, this is, when it's not about you and you make it about the kingdom, when you seek the kingdom first, all these things shall be added unto you. What are those things? Everything that you need to extend the kingdom. Everything that you need to extend the boundaries of the kingdom. So the question I have for you is, do you have a vision of what heaven looks like? You're, we are part of a church called Life Church Global. Do you know what Life Church Global does? Are you, are you partnering? Are you part of the ecclesia in Life Church Global that comes in agreement to what the leader is teaching us to do? What the word of God is teaching us to do? What is the will of God for the city that you live in? What is the will of God for your family? When we receive the word of God every single Friday, what, are you looking at it as just another message or are you receiving the will of God for your life? Because if you receive the will of God for your life, it becomes your responsibility to apply it in your life. And when you apply it in your life, you, you will see, I can guarantee you this, you will see what happens in heaven happening here on the earth. Because Jesus came to establish a kingdom that is expandable, that, is, that can increase, that can grow, and that can manifest on earth as it is in heaven. He spends three years with his disciples and then he gives them a commission and he says, go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. What, what does that mean? Preach the gospel means speak the language of heaven. He's saying, speak the language, speak the will of my father. Speak the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And that whoever believes in Jesus, not whoever believes in the miracle signs and wonders, but whoever believes in Jesus, these signs will follow those who believe. Not just the one who preaches, but the ones who believe. The signs and wonders and miracles are actually follow the preaching of the word. They follow the, the people who have believed the word. What does that say? It says this, that when you and I believe Jesus, we believe this word, 
Signs, wonders, and miracles are the provision of heaven, the resources of heaven that come into your life for you to carry the mantle of Jesus, to carry the work of Jesus, to continue the work of Jesus on earth as it is in heaven. We cannot sit idle anymore. We have a spiritual kingdom that is more real than the physical kingdom. And you and I have a responsibility to God while we live on the earth. If you want to reign with Christ, you've got to carry the mantle of his kingdom. You've got to carry the responsibility of his kingdom. You want to step in authority, have the authority, the authority of the believer. I'm a believer in Jesus. I have authority in Jesus. The, the authority of the believer is not only for your personal benefit. The authority comes with a responsibility to increase the kingdom. This is powerful, ladies and gentlemen. And so Jesus says, hey, I'm giving you the kingdom. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Now go, go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Do, do what it needs to, do what you need to do to extend the kingdom. Every time you preach the gospel and somebody believes in Jesus. See, the, 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 the message, the language of heaven is the good news. The good news of the gospel. This was the first message of the kingdom. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. And Jesus wants to rescue you. He wants to bring you out of the dominion of darkness. Do you recognize the dominion of darkness in your life? Do you recognize the pain, the suffering, the anguish? in your life? Do you see the enemy stealing, killing and destroying in your life? Do you want to stay in that place or do you want to be a part of a kingdom that gives you life and life in its abundance? Life and life in its abundance means there's peace. The, the kingdom of God increases and every person who believes in Jesus will not perish but have everlasting life. The disciples they took this message of Jesus. They believed it. They applied it in their life. And then they started preaching it. See, a lot of times people receive the word and preach it before they apply it. But the way it works in the kingdom of God is that we receive the word, we believe it, we apply it, and then we go out and preach it. You can't talk about a person you don't know. You can't talk about a God you haven't had an encounter with. You cannot talk about a spiritual kingdom. You can't talk about heaven when you haven't even seen what heaven looks like. You've got to see the earth. You've got to see your life the way your life is in heaven. Oh, this is powerful. You've got to see your marriage the way your marriage would be in heaven. You've got to see your kids the way your kids would be in heaven. When I say in heaven, I'm talking about under the influence. Oh, come on, you thought after death. No, no, I'm talking about here on the earth. Heaven is here on the earth. When the kingdom of God, the atmosphere of heaven manifests in your life, how do your kids behave? How, how do you treat your husband and your wife? 
How do you treat the people in your church? How do you treat the people in the office? Because all of that is an indication that you are influenced by the kingdom of heaven. You recognize heaven on the earth. If you don't see the person sitting next to you the way Jesus sees that person, then you will treat them according to what dominates you. So if the kingdom of, of darkness dominates you, he has dominion over you, you will treat them according to that. And that's why we see people treating one another badly, treating each other like they have no value for one another. They talk badly about one another. They backbite one another. They gossip about one another. They degrade one another in public. Why? It's because you're only influenced by the kingdom of darkness. But when you're under the submission of the king, the king's domain, domain, the king's dominion, there's peace. There's ever increasing peace. You understand that you're a part of a government. You're, 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 you're in governance now over your, in your city. In your, you take on the responsibility of, your, of the place that you live in, the building that you live in, the, 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 uh, the community that you live in, the community that you're a part of, the life group that you're a part of. You begin to take, take authority. You begin to take the responsibility. Man, these people are not just hanging out with me. These people are part of my responsibility now. And then you start applying the word to serve them, not to have authority over them. You use the authority to serve people. And in serving people, you will see the kingdom transform and manifest in their life. So in Acts chapter 2, we see that the Holy Spirit comes and fills the disciples and he doesn't keep them in the upper room. He doesn't say, okay, go home and come back to church next week. He doesn't say, go home, okay, I'll meet you in life group next week. They come into the upper room, they gather once, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For the first time, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. He's been poured out, the provision for all flesh was made at Pentecost. I hope you understand this. There's no need for another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and you come into an environment that where people don't have the Holy Spirit, now the Holy Spirit, there's an outpouring from you into people. That's what happens when we would lay hands on one another and pray for people, all right? So in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit leads Peter to start communicating, to preach the gospel for the first time. He preaches the gospel and reveals Jesus to them. And he says uh, in verse 38, And Peter said to them, Repent, which means change the way you think, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as as many as the Lord our God will call. Right, and I want to read from verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. He's not talking about people, but he's talking about the worldly system that has, that has created a perverseness that is influencing people to do bad things, to do perverse things. All right, and then verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word, Come on now. 
not just anything else. He was preaching the will of the Father. He was preaching what Jesus wanted him to preach. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day 3,000 souls were added to them, not to the church, added to the ecclesia. Come on now. Jesus said, I'm going to establish, I'm going to build my ecclesia. How did he, how does he build the ecclesia? By preaching the word, by preaching the gospel, by preaching the good news of the gospel. Whoever believed in the gospel, who believed in Jesus as the Lord, as their king, who came under the governance of Jesus, who came under the governance of the disciples, who came under the influence of the kingdom in the disciples, now were saved from the domain, the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is powerful. Verse 42. And this is what they did. When they got saved, this is what the ecclesia did. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They didn't go and create their own doctrines according to their own revelation. They heard the apostles were the one who brought the resources of heaven, who brought the fresh manna from heaven, who brought the fresh word from heaven. God has chosen your leaders, your pastors, to the, uh, the life coaches to be the vessel through which revelation is brought into the church. Revelation, fresh word, is brought into the ecclesia. And these people had steadfastly continued steadfastly in the doctrine. Doctrine means values, okay? The values of the disciples. Whatever the disciples valued, the ecclesia valued. So which means what John and Kelsey have a value for, right? If you have a value for it, then you are continuing steadfastly in John and Kelsey's doctrine of the kingdom. But this doctrine is not made up this doctrine has come from divine revelation into the ecclesia. When the ecclesia come together and agree that this is the will of God for this city and this nation, my God, everything in this city will change. Why? Because God has put a city council called Life Church Global. He has established a city council called Life Church Global that will govern in this city and in this nation, spiritually govern in this city and this nation, the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. We are here to add value to our cities. We are here to bless the cities that we live in. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and Fellowship, which means they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship with one another. Come on now. In the breaking of bread and in prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, these, this is what they did. As soon as the ecclesia was formed and 3,000 of them were added, can you imagine? There was no house probably in Jerusalem or in the whole of Israel that could host 3,000 people. Sometimes I believe the four walls of a church limit God from adding to the church. But these guys, the ecclesia, they, 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 they just fellowship. They love fellowshipping with one another. Can you, how does, how does one preach without a mic to 3,000 people? How does one preach 
the gospel? How does one share the gospel to 3,000 people? And, and I've seen a vision of this happen where uh, it's actually happened in the Old Testament. But I've seen a vision of how the disciples would have done it because they gathered in courts, they gathered in open areas. And it would be like this, that, that the disciples, the, 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 either Paul or, or, or Peter or, or John or one of the main disciples would bring a fresh revelation from God and would speak to people as far as their voice can hear. And, the, and then people would begin to share the gospel with the one next to them. They would share the gospel with the one the next to them, then the message with the other one and the other one. And 3,000 people would begin to communicate the same thing. That's what it means to be steadfast. Everybody speaks the same thing. The same language. Come on now, I'm tying it up together. All of them spoke the same language and they loved fellowshipping with one another. When we have politics in the church, it's a different language. When we have the knowledge of good and evil, this is good, this person is good, that person is bad, oh, look at what she wore, oh, look at how she cooks, look at what, how she walks, look at how he walks, look at what he wore, look at how much money he has. All of this is the knowledge of good and evil and it is the language that the kingdom of darkness has dominion in. And we've got to get rid of that language and speak the language of heaven the doctrines of the kingdom the doctrines of the apostles that's what we need to do and so now verse 43 is crucial then fear came upon every soul can you imagine all of them speaking the same language they're preaching the gospel people are being added to the church first time is 3,000 then 5,000 when you and I, you know, when you go to your, um, uh, your, your, your neighborhood grocery or your neighborhood butcher and you start casting out demons and you start bringing people from wheelchairs out, your shadow begins to heal the sick, right? When you do that in your butcher shop or you go there in a barber shop or you go there uh, in your grocery in the aisles and you're praying for people and they're getting healed, people will think something's up something different about you there's something different about this person and if they can't understand it fear there's a sort of reverence for you that comes upon people and you must understand that that's exactly what has happened then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles now all who believed were together and had all things in common. This is beautiful. And sold all their possessions and their goods, divided it among themselves as anyone had needed. They, sorry, verse 45 says, and sold all their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. The Lord added to the church daily. See, it is not just the responsibility of the leaders of the church to add to the church. It's the responsibility of everyone to 
preach the gospel. It's the responsibility of everyone to share the good news of Jesus. And every time you and I, as the ecclesia, the governing body of, of heaven on earth, as we come together and as we begin to communicate the will of God for people, now the Lord begins to add to the church. The Lord will add to the church when you and I take responsibility of, over the ecclesia. When you and I begin to take responsibility of the ecclesia. See, these people, they, they, they left everything and they followed Jesus. They sold all their goods and they gave it to people, to those who had need. When they did that, the Lord saw that they took responsibility of the kingdom. They took responsibility of the house. They took responsibility of the ecclesia. And now God said, okay, because of your faithfulness, I'm going to add more people to the house. Come on, man. We have an issue when it comes to giving. Christians in general, in the church, when you talk about giving, especially financially, there's a lack of trust. But see, the problem is that the Lord is watching them. Not just they're watching what happens with the finances in the church. The Lord is watching how they gave. The Lord is watching what they gave. And based on what they gave, he said, okay, now I'll bring more people to them so that they can take care of my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. See, ruling and reigning is not just about having authority and having a title and and being powerful, ruling and reigning with Christ is being as Christ would on the earth. Taking the responsibility of the kingdom and extending it on the earth. You have the authority to do that. The Lord added to the church. I love it when the Lord sees a a group of people that he can add to. I love it when, when the Lord sees faithfulness in the house. Love for the house that God has called you to. Love for the house that God, serving the house faithfully, diligently, not immediately, but as long as it takes. Because you're building eternal relationships with the people in your ecclesia. God is adding to the church daily. But he will do it when you and I take on the responsibility to rule and reign as Christ on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to pray for you today. I really believe that this word has really stirred up a hunger on the inside of you. Stirred up a, a desire to be like Jesus on the earth to carry on the, the work. What a, what, a, what a privilege it is for us to be, to be called in. Not just the pastor and his wife, not just the leaders of the church, not just the pastoral team, not just the worship team, but every single person, every single man, woman, and child is a part of this ecclesia called Life Church Global. And, and I really believe that your heart is primed and it's ready. And I want to give you an invitation right now. To, that as I pray for you, that you would, you would agree with me and you would pray with me to carry this mantle, to carry 
this beautiful mission. The, the mission, the commission of Jesus to, to increase the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So would you bow your heads with me and pray. Father, I thank you for giving us this word today. This is a revelation for us, God. We receive your word today. We thank you for this word, God. But Father, we understand that, your, that Jesus has established your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And it's now our responsibility to carry on the work that Jesus has started. What a privilege it is for us, God, to lock arms with, with the ecclesia, to bring, to, to establish, to, to govern the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray the prayer of Jesus. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your will be done, God, in our families. Let your will be done in our businesses. Let your will be done in our churches, in, our, in, our, in the religious institutions of the world, in, in, the, in the education institutions, in the business institutions, Father, in every area of our city, in every area of influence in our city. Let your kingdom come. Lord, we ask you today, Lord, that you would reveal your will for each life personally, for every family, for every life group, for every community, for every hangout, for every aspect of society, for every aspect of culture in, this, in, the, in our city and our nation, every aspect, God, we want to extend the kingdom of God. We want to partner with heaven. We want to partner with Life Church Global, with this ecclesia. We want to partner with it and we want to lock arms and we want to we take this mission where it's never been before. We want to take this gospel where it's never been before. Lord, we know that we've got to speak the language of heaven on earth that our words create the future that we will live in and so the future that we live in God we recognize that it is your kingdom it is your desire that our future is the manifested kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and so today God we submit to your will we submit to your dominion in our life you are king you are lord over our life and Father, I thank you that every heart that was offended by the knowledge of good and evil, Father, I pray right now that you would release healing into that heart. You would remove the dominion of darkness in their life. You would remove the seed of the knowledge of good and evil and you would plant this seed, the seed of truth in their life. That from this day on, that they would be established in the governance of the ecclesia in this city and in this nation. Father, we thank you that all things are being added to us as we seek your kingdom first. And so, Father, I thank you that you have brought us out of darkness into the dominion of your son that you love so much so that we can rule and reign in this life with Christ. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. So I want to I want to bless you today. I want to declare God's abundance to you. As you step in your authority and your responsibility in the kingdom of God, I bless you with the abundance of heaven. I usher, I release the resources of heaven to you so that all your needs will be met according to the riches of glory of his glory. May you experience the manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth in your life as it is in heaven. Bless you.